Carlos a little bit? Hey, no. Uh, somebody was like, no, do it. No, 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 I'm, I'm fully aware that he'll be able to review this. Do you, do you realize how organized Carlos is? Um, some of you probably do. So I got the, the schedule for this morning, and uh, at 10.02, I'm supposed to get up here and be started, and I am a minute ahead of schedule, so that's good. Um, because I'm supposed to be done at 10.33. So I've got 31 minutes. So what you can tell, Carlos, what you can, what you can tell, Carlos, is that you guys did great on schedule, everything was perfect, and then I'm the one who's going to mess it all up because there's a good chance I'm not going to get it right at 31 minutes. So, because I've just wasted all this time doing this. Um, so I'm Rob Newton. Uh, I'm really thrilled to be here because I've been praying for you guys since about 1998. And you think, well, that's kind of weird because the church hadn't been around that long. But I was part of Trinity Presbyterian Church when it first got started. And from the very beginning, Trinity wanted to be a church that um, would be a part of starting new churches, would be a start of helping get other churches going. And so it's a great privilege to come and be a part of what of that continued work that I've been praying for for a long time. Um, I, like I said, I was with Trinity from the beginning and um, came on as one of the ruling elders there relatively early on. Uh, then went off to seminary um, where I was part of another church plant while I was in seminary. And then went off to Seattle to start a new church myself. Um, and that didn't work out, so I had to come back after two years, came back home. Um, and so church plants is uh, what I've been doing, is what I'm familiar with, and I'm, uh, I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. We'll be looking at Ezekiel 34. And if, yeah, if, you're, if you've got one of those Bibles that was on the chairs, it's on page 602. If you don't have one of those Bibles, I don't know what page it's on for you. Um, but it's in the Old Testament, and if you look, you hit it right at uh, Psalms, keep going to Proverbs, hit a couple other major prophets. Ezekiel is right after Lamentations, and I should know the church this. So, and right before Daniel. So, Ezekiel chapter 34. Stick your finger there. Um, this passage, it talks a lot about shepherds and sheep. It's a familiar metaphor for God's people, for how God cares for his people. And any uh, reputable pastor will have a story about sheep. So, here's one of mine. Um, <laughs> I was in Scotland, uh, and I was visiting a friend who was studying there in England, and we decided to drive up to Scotland, drive around the Highlands, which was fantastic. And we rented a car, um, and getting used to driving on the right side, and the right side of the car on the left side of the road, that didn't take too long. It took a little bit longer to get used to shifting with your left hand. Um, the coordination for that, but I got one of that. We had this peppy little Peugeot hatchback. Uh, it was great fun driving around the highlands. There were these little tiny single track roads, so just wide enough for one car. And then every quarter, half a mile, there's a little pull off. 
so that you could pull off if another car was coming. And one time, a car was coming and we were nowhere near the pull off. And so I ended up having to reverse, uh, no, it was this way, this side. I had to reverse uh, back, um, uh, you know, several hundred yards to get back to it. Cruising along, and, and I'm, um, I wouldn't say I'm a reckless driver. I would, yeah, well, police might said that once, but I wouldn't say that I'm a reckless driver, but I like to drive fast, and so I was flying around, I was going over these hills, and I came over this one hill, and there was this huge herd of sheep right in the middle of the road. I saw them with plenty of time, it was, it was not a big bloody mutton mess, but so I, I slowed down and I got right in front of the sheep and they could have cared less about me. They could have cared less that I was there and I was trying to get through. And so I honked, laid on the horn, nothing. I mean, maybe one of them turned their heads. Uh, and so then, you know, I actually pulled up and I didn't hit the sheep. I, I nudged it with the bumper. <laughs> I, I, I didn't hit it. It was just like a tap, and it, it hopped out of the way. But not, you know, there were still 50 other sheep that were in the way. So Ryan, my friend and I, we got out of the car and we started clearing the path to uh, get through the sheep. And we made a hole that was big enough. We were yelling and not kicking, just kind of don't call Peter. I live real close to them. Just kind of pushing with our feet to get the sheep out of the way. Got a hope that was big enough to jump back into the car, and as soon as we got back into the car, the sheep had all merged back together. <laughs> so Ryan had to get out, and he cleared the path as I went through, and uh, we got on our way. And often, when pastors tell a sheep story or you hear a sheep story, it's often about how um, how stupid sheep are, how uh, how they just don't get it, they don't understand. I think if we look at this passage this morning, you would rather identify yourself with the sheep than with the shepherds. You also see that there's great beauty in being a part of the flock of God. There's great beauty in being the sheep. We're going to look at Ezekiel 34. You've got it there in your bulletin or you've turned in your Bible. Um, it's kind of a long passage, so we're going to look at it in two sections. The first one will go verses 1 through 10. Um, let's, let me pray before we jump into that, and then we'll get started. Jesus, you promised to teach you your word. You promised to show us more of your goodness and love. You promised to lead us in worship. Come, Holy Spirit, lead us. Show us more of your care for us as our great shepherd. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you close yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the stray that you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My 
my sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand, put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. Ezekiel is a prophet to um, the nation of Judah in the south. Uh, this is after the initial um, exile in the north, and so we're talking it's 597 BC. So 600 BC is the area is around the time that he is uh, ministering to the people of God um, right before their exile. The fall of Jerusalem was in 586, and then he's uh, prophesying to them during their exile. And this prophecy, the subtitle in my Bible says, Prophecy Against the shepherds of Israel. Are you familiar with the uh, three offices of Christ, prophet, priest, and king? Um, you know, it, because of those are the offices of Christ, those, those are categories that are no longer needed for the people of God now that uh, we have the Holy Spirit, now that we have the Word. So we, we don't need a king for the people of God. Um, we don't need prophets because we have the Word of God, we have everything we need. And then the priestly function is, is different. Um, and, and we can say in one sense we don't need the priest because Jesus is our great high priest. And, and then we all serve. There's a priesthood of the believers. But then the, the office of pastor um, that we find in the New Testament uh, is they, they will often, a pastor will serve as a prophet preaching the word as priests ministering to those um, who are in need of being reminded of God's love and then king and the care of the church, um, protection of the church. This passage is about the abuse of the authority that the priests have been given. The, the number one job that they were given was to feed the people of God. The, the number one God that our pastors have today is to feed the people of God with the Word of God. Uh, and they were not doing this. Instead, they served themselves. Verse 3, you eat the fat, you close yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. And so what this passage is about is, is pastors. This is for pastors. And you know, you're thinking, well, I'm not a pastor, so what, what good is this for me? Uh, but you're, you're in a church that has a pastor. Um, and if you are Christian, you submitted yourself to the authority of God. And if you're a member of this church, you've submitted yourself to the authority of the pastor. And so it would be good to understand what that pastor is called to, what the temptations that, he is, that he'll face are, and how he might deal with them. What, have, what God has to say about all of that. You know, when we think about the abuse of 
the authority of the priests. I mean, it says priests here. It's, it's not hard to think of some examples. The uh, Roman Catholic sex abuse scandal comes to mind right away. Um, some of you probably have some personal examples of just how pastors perhaps have abused the authority uh, that they have had in your life and have not treated or cared for you the way that they were supposed to. You know, what's happening in this passage and what we see when pastors abuse the authority that's given them is that instead of feeding the sheep, they, they treat them like a commodity. It's something that they can use to serve themselves. When we think about the different ways that pastor could fall into this. Um, we think about the, there's, there's four categories of relationships. There's four categories of how you know someone. These four categories, there's a, a relational connection. We know people relationally. Um, we just, you, you have a large group that you know relationally. You could, you could know everybody in this room on that relational category. You go a little bit deeper, you know people on an emotional level. You get to know what's going on in their hearts. You get to know how they feel about different aspects of their life, their struggles. You go a little bit deeper and then you begin to know someone spiritually. You know, even if you're not a Christian, you can get a sense of how this works. A spiritual connection, you for those who don't follow Jesus, it is a deeper connection than just knowing their emotions. And then the last category is a sexual one. And that, of course, is reserved for husband and wife. And there's, great, there's reason why um, that's the case. There's, there's reason why this is the last category, and it's just reserved for one person, for the person that you've made a commitment to forever. And then when we look at how, the, uh, how these things can be abused, we, we go down the line, we can see how a relational abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, sexual abuse. We see how devastating that could be. We've all heard stories about how pastors have, um, have messed up their ministry, their lives, their marriages through sex, through desire for money, through the desire for power. And there is a strong warning here for pastors as they face that temptation. A strong warning that God says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Against those who are treating the sheep like a commodity. And there's real consequences as well. There's significant consequences when the shepherds, when the pastors abuse their authority. Look with me at verse 5. Verses 5 and 6. So they, so they were scattered, the sheep were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains, and on every high hill, my sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. I think my sister is one of the scattered. Um, when she was in college at the University of Miami, down in Florida, she was part of InterVarsity. At the time, I was working for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and I had a number of conversations with her about the gospel, about Jesus, about His goodness in our lives. Um, and as I look back on it now, I wonder if if I was doing most of the talking. Um, she took a job up in Boston, went up there, and she visited a few churches, and she never connected with one. 
and no one sought her out. And, and you guys know what it's like. You've, you've come to a new church and no one said hello to you. Um, or, or you've come even a few times and you haven't gotten invited. You haven't gotten connected. And, and, and that's, that's the job for everyone, certainly for the pastor. Um, and so she was not sought out and ended up scattered. And so the consequences are significant consequences for the people who end up not being brought into the fold, not being brought into you know, the grace and goodness of Jesus. And so there's consequences too for the pastors. Verse 7. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because of my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will acquire my sheep at their hand. I will acquire my sheep at their hand. The calling to the, the office of pastor, of elder. Uh, in the Presbyterian Church, we have teaching elders, pastors, and ruling elders. Um, those are laymen who serve in that same spiritual capacity. So the calling of elder is a, is a serious calling. It's significant. What the Bible tells us is those who are called to that job, those who are ordained into the office of elder, whether it's teaching or ruling elder, are going to be held accountable for the people that they are called to serve. Um, Hebrews chapter, you don't need to turn there, but it's chapter 13, verse 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. I'm going to have to give an account. It's humbling. It's like, why would I stand up here and do this? I'm, I'm going to have to give an account. I'm going to stand before the Lord and he'll say, what about Nicholas? What about Jessica? What about Rebecca? What about Matt? What about Joe? These people that I was called to serve, and I am called to serve. Now, when Carlos will, will stand before the Lord and he'll say, what about Eva? What about Barry? What about Carol? It is a serious calling. And it, it is one that is, it's hard. It, it, why, why, why would anyone do it? Why would anyone take that? Because they're not just held accountable for what they do, held accountable for what their people do as well. Like I said, I think you'll probably want to identify yourselves with the sheep rather than the shepherds. Now, it could be good to stop there. It could be good to stop there because then you can feel the weight. You can feel the weight of the calling to pastor. It could be good to stop there and feel the weight that your pastor feels. To understand the significance of that calling. To understand how he might be tempted. 
one of the ways that I'm tempted to treat the sheep as a commodity is, um, is in that relational, emotional, spiritual category. What will happen is I'll, I'll sit down with someone, I'll meet them, I'll get to know them, I'll hear their stories, I'll connect with them on an emotional level, on a spiritual level, and then I'll point them to Jesus, which is good, of course. Um, but, but a lot of times, part of the motivation for that is that I want their approval. I want them to point out oh, that Rob was the guy who was able to help me understand my need, help me understand and find the healing that I could get. It was Rob, Rob was the one who did that for me. And, and you're like, oh, hey, you're being too hard on yourself. You are pointing them to Jesus. But I'm not. I'm not. Because the, the fears and the insecurities that are part of me, are part of all of us, that, that lead me to find my satisfaction in people saying, Rob was the one who did this for me. Those, are the, that, those types of fears and insecurities, those, those types, that same thing that all of us struggle with, it's those fears and insecurities that led the Roman Catholic priests to the place where they were treating those boys as commodities. They were looking to be fed by other people, and they didn't care how it happened. And so for me to understand that temptation is it, good, it's helpful, because I can be reminded that I'm going to face these temptations as well. And here's where it's great to be Presbyterian. Now I know not many of you probably grew up in this tradition. I didn't either. But here's where it's great to be Presbyterian because we have what's called a plurality of elders. And so it's not just one pastor over a church. And and for for this context, you know, Carlos is um, being cared for by other elders that aren't part of this church. And when, when, when you guys particularize, when you guys become a church with your own governing session, the way it'll work is you'll have this plurality of elders, teaching elders and ruling elders together that have the same authority, that have the same um, authority with each other. And those ruling elders can, can look at Carlos and say, how are you being tempted to feed on the sheep? How are you going to face that temptation? Because that temptation will come to every single person who has any type of authority. The temptation will come for every person who's been given any leadership responsibility. It will be to abuse that leadership responsibility to serve themselves. Remember, temptation is not a bad thing. I mean, it, it, well, it's bad. Temptation is not sin. If you are tempted... You have not necessarily succumbed to that temptation. The importance will be recognizing that temptation and then knowing how to move forward and get the help that you need to say no to that temptation. And so pastors will face the temptation to treat their congregation as a commodity. That's why it's important to understand passages like this. Every pastor should know Ezekiel 34, backwards and forwards. It's important to understand this warning. It's important to understand this temptation. 
We're not going to end there, despite the fact that I've gone a bit too long already. We're going to look at the second half, and that is the verses, the second half of verse 10, all the way through verse 24. And, and here's where the hope comes. Here's the hope for every pastor standing in my position. And here's the hope for you as well as those who are being served by pastors. And then, of course, ultimately for all of us in the same boat who's in need of a Savior. Here's the hope that we find in verse, starting in verse 10b, the second part of verse 10. It says, I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. Verse 11, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered, on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in the uninhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord your God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bound up, bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. In those seven verses, we have 14 times God saying, I will. I will do this work. I will be the one who goes after my sheep. And when he talked about, in, in the first section of this passage, when, when God talked about what the shepherds didn't do, he says he didn't care for the weak, didn't care for the sick, didn't bind up the injured, didn't go after the strayed, didn't seek after the lost. And then when he talks about what he's going to do, he says, he flips it around, changes the order. He says, I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. And here we get a good picture of the heart of our God. And the heart of our God is that he is going after the weak. He's, he, it's, it's for those who are lost. Those are the first ones that he goes after and stray. And he cares for the sick, the injured, and the weak. This next section, after we see what, uh, what God will do as the shepherd of the sheep, is, is for specifically for the sheep. So, for you guys. Verse 17. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God. Behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture, and to drink of clear waters that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trotted with your feet, and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you pushed with side and shoulder and thrusted all the meat with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. So we're talking about people with resources, not, not only not sharing their resources with those who have 
less need, uh, but who use those without resources to serve themselves. Um, and, and, and it's also can be applied to folks who have some type of leadership or authority, whether it's in the community or in a congregation like this. And how do you, how do you steward the resources and the position that you've been given? And it's, and it's a warning for, for those people as well. But God finishes that with, I will rescue my sheep. Verse 22, I will rescue my sheep. They shall no longer be prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. Turns out I've got more than one sheep story. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, we lived out in Southampton County. So you get to Franklin and keep going over to Southampton, middle of nowhere. There are a couple of sheep ranches, I think you call them ranches, not farms, out where we lived. And apparently when a ewe has twins, it'll reject one and just take care of them. It's like, if there's twins, only one of them's gonna make it. So what'll happen is the rancher will have to take care of and raise uh, himself and, uh, by bottle one the rejected, um, the rejected lamb. And yeah, I, I, I can use that illustration in lots of sermons. I'm gonna have to come back to that. But so, but, uh, so the rejected lamb, um, this rancher we were friends with him, and he gave us this ram, that lamb, to take care of. I was 12 years old, and even at 12 years old, I was, I, you know, I didn't think I was too cool or, you know, a, a, a serious boy that couldn't hold a lamb, feed it by bottle, and just totally melt. I mean, it was, it was pretty spectacular. So we we named this lamb Bucky. Um, you know, you would buck, I guess. So we named this lamb Bucky, and. You know, sheep really aren't that smart. You can't house train them. So my dad built a pen, and he built this pen in the backyard, and we put Bucky in the pen, and we thought, you know, okay, we can't, we, we love this lamb, we're feeding it by hand, we sit with it on the porch, but you know, we can't spend every waking moment with Bucky. So we put him in the pen, and we go back inside, and not five minutes later, we hear this knocking on the back door, we go into the back porch, a screened in back porch, and Bucky had bust his way through the screen, gotten out of the pen, obviously, bust his way through the screen and was banging the back door with his head. So my dad then got some um, chicken wire and he wrapped the pen in chicken wire. And chicken wire has squares, you know, just four by four squares, nothing can get through, get out of that. So he wrapped the pen with chicken wire. Um, we went back inside, and five minutes later, the screen was already busted out. So Bucky's banging on the back door again. He's banging because he wants to be back with his people. And then, so my dad gets barbed wire, and he wraps the chicken wire with barbed wire, and it still didn't work. And I forget how we ended up dealing with it. Maybe we put a collar on him with a rope or something. But Bucky would be. What Bucky realized is that he couldn't be alone. What Bucky realized is that he needed his people. What Bucky realized is that he needed a shepherd. He needed someone to care for him. And the beauty of what we see here and what God does is that he provides that shepherd. Look with me 
at verse 23. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. My servant David shall be prince among them. I'm the Lord I have spoken. So this is 400 some years after David had died. And so Ezekiel is not talking about David the king. He's talking about a better David. He's talking about the hope that David was for the people of God. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about that great shepherd who can care for us perfectly. And what's more, that great shepherd who died for his sheep, who gave himself for his sheep, who gave himself for pastors like me, for like Carlos, who are going to face temptation and who are going to fail, who are going to succumb to temptation at times, and who will need to be forgiven, who will need to know the grace and peace that can only come because of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, ascension, His eternal reign, His intercession on our behalf, on your behalf. The hope for shepherds like us, the hope for all of us, is that great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus our Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Jesus, uh, all of us at one time or another have felt lost or strayed, weak, injured. All of us have been in a place where we are in desperate need of help. We are in desperate need of a Savior. We are thankful that you have provided one. Father God, we are thankful that you have given so much so that we can know hope. Hope in the midst of temptation. Hope in the midst of this struggling world. Remind us of that hope now. Remind us of your goodness and love. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.